0: Welcome back to the Behind the Net Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matthew, and joined with me today is my co-host, Michael.
1: Hey guys, how's it going? Um, as you can probably tell by the title of the episode and the guest that we have on, this is a very important episode. And we just finished recording a very important uh, discussion with Omar and Erica, and I think it was a very impactful discussion, and I really hope you stick around for it because I think it's a very important lesson.
0: and uh, I mean just to reiterate your your point that it's an important episode uh, of course a couple months ago we had a a very important episode with uh, Peter, Ash and Tiffany Mongu on here um, Mm -hmm. talking about the racial issues uh, we experience in the world today and we have experienced for many many years uh, in the history of our world really and uh, just we wanted to continue that conversation because that conversation should always be continuing and it doesn't stop uh, but Today we want to focus in, obviously, with sports restarting this week. Uh, we want to talk about that and how it's been, how things have been going in the uh, major leagues right now, um, in relation to that. So, a big episode uh, coming your way, a very important episode, and I hope you guys listen attentively and uh, hopefully we will, we want this podcast to be something that a lot of people can use as a tool to educate themselves. Um, but before we get into that. Uh, Uh, That bulk of the episode. We just want to uh, go over this this week in sports news super quickly uh, in Mm -hmm. the big three uh, sports leagues. Um, Again, the main point of this episode is uh, the discussion that is coming up uh, soon, but we just want to go over it quickly um, before that. So, of course, first, let's just tackle the Toronto Maple Leafs. They started their uh, series with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, It's currently tied one-to-one We are recording this on Thursday, so it's a Leafs game day. But at the end of uh, game two, Jake Muzzin got injured. Um, It it looked like a a kind of a, obviously, a fluke, awkward um, incident that kind of happened, of course. um, But very scary nonetheless. And, of course, we know that he will be out for the remainder of the series. So, Michael, I just want to know your thoughts on that. And then should should the Leafs go with Marinson or Sandin?
1: Um, well, first of all, it was definitely a really rough injury and it, it makes, it leaves a huge hole in the least back end. No, you can't slice it any other way, but if you're going to be, um, picking between the two players on the least blue line who they should have gone with, I mean, obviously it looks like they're going to side with Marincin. I would have preferred Sandit because he has more youth, uh, like jump to his game. And I think he definitely, uh, vie from the experience in the playoffs, but I can understand where Keefe's coming from with picking Marincin because Marincin does play the penalty kill pretty well. He's got the good size to do it there, and I think when we consider that the Leafs took three penalties uh, in Game Two and all three of them were killed off in part because of Jake Muzzin's play, I can understand why Keefe would be ha- like would feel comfortable going with Marincin in this case.
0: I'm completely with you there. Um, I I think it's a good. I mean obviously an injury is a bad problem to have, but I think it's a good problem that you have two serviceable defensemen uh that can be called up at any time. I, I, I'm with you that I think uh I would like to see Sandin called up, but I think Mer Merinson is the uh smart choice right now for Keefe uh going into the rest of the series. Um Absolutely. but we'll have to see how the how the Leafs do, of course, with Muzzin out um tonight um in game three. Uh, moving on to the Toronto Raptors, um, a whole different story kind of there. First, I want to give a huge shout out to the Toronto Raptors who've been, you know, taking, you know, they've been unrelentless with their uh, support for Black Lives Matter and support for uh, promoting racial equality. And, you know, all the players I've seen, every single interview, they use the time to um, promote and make, make sure people are aware of the issues and um, really just, Trying to keep the keep the conversation going and keep the focus on what really matters. Of course, sports is starting back up, but these are the things we really should be talking about and not stop talking about. So, huge mm-hmm. shout out to the Raptors. They're kneeling every single one of them for both anthems, and it's just great to see.
1: Absolutely. Um, I agree.
0: And, yeah, there's not much I want to say about the Toronto Raptors, though, in terms of play, because... They are three and zero right now, and they've just been playing with that championship mentality, and I love it so much. And um, really, um, what are your? I just want to know what are your thoughts on them. I just quickly want to give a, a couple of shout-outs to the players who I've been really impressed by, specifically uh, Kyle Lowry and OG yep. Ananobi and Fred VanVleet, who's been who've been putting on huge shows uh, and and
1: playing great these last few games. Oh, I absolutely agree with you there, man. I've been really impressed with what I'm seeing from the Raptors. Uh, they've been playing exceptional basketball these uh, first three games. And even during the uh, scrimmages, they've been playing really well. What is it? A three-game winning streak right now for them?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. They're, I think they really have... Uh, I think it's really... The early signs are showing that they're, they're playing with that championship mentality, like you said. And I think really all they can really do at this point is just to really lock down and fine-tune their defensive game. Because in the playoffs, and especially last year, that was what they were defined by. And they were, they need to be defined by that again this year. Because like the San Antonio Spurs of uh, the, the past era, while they don't have any like major, major names, I mean, obviously Tim Duggan was a big name, they really played well team-wise, and their team defense was a huge factor in that. And I think the Raptors really need to focus on, on improving that style of play because that's what's going to help them go far in these playoffs. And that's what's going to help them... Uh, and go for a round of a second championship because i think they have all the pieces needed to do it again
0: exactly and shout out to nick nurse of course my pick for coach of the year um, mine too who i uh, i really think the raptors have truly been successful because of his ability to, to adapt to so many different situations thrown at them every single different team that they faced um but yeah and and last last but not least i just want to talk about pascal siakam um he's had kind of in his standards, of course, of an NBA All Star, a slower, uh, you know, approach to the bubble or start to the bubble because of, I guess, being the number one option. Uh, we are holding him to a kind of a higher standard there. But don't be Raptors fans, don't doubt him because uh, he has been um, playing really well, regardless. And either way, the fact that someone is able to step up when someone, you know, takes a step back and, and, on
1: the team is, is why the Raptors are successful right now. Absolutely agree. Um, I guess before we go into our big discussion, I want to quickly touch on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays who are finally back from their uh, short pause due to outbreaks of COVID-19 with the Philadelphia Phillies and the Miami Marlins and a bunch of other teams. And that's what was was causing them to stay in Washington for a couple of days they just played uh, two games against the Atlanta Braves, one that they lost uh 10 to 1, another yesterday that they won 2 to 1. And I guess what people, we were talking about this with Ian Hunter uh when the season just started. Um we were hoping to see some progression. There was potential for this team to to make a make a run, but I think what we're seeing right now is inconsistent play. So I guess what 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 I want to ask you is like what do you hope this Blue Jays team can accomplish uh based on what we've been seeing so far and if what what, what their potential?
0: Um, in terms of potential, I'm. I mean, we spoke about this last, uh, last episode with Ian Hunter. It would be nice for them to make the playoffs, and I definitely think, given the circumstances of this season, it's still a possibility, it's still very much a possibility. But realistically, I don't think we should ex- try to expect too much from these Blue Jays. Um, they're I think going into the season the main goal was to improve from last season as we are you know as we are seeing the blue jays being a rebuilding team right now um they just need to take that next step forward and then slowly um towards a playoff spot and it's really hard this season because um as we said last episode you really need to hit the ground running um in this shortened season to really even make the playoffs and i think um struggling in the beginning is not going to help the blue jays case uh they, and their inconsistency of course will not help their case of making the playoffs. So I wouldn't get my hopes up in terms of the Blue Jays making the playoffs, but I definitely think they have the potential to make it this season but um I'm, I' I'm, I'm just saying I don't I, I don't want to expect anything from them other than the fact that to improve from last season.
1: Absolutely agree. absolutely agree with all that. And I think that this Blue Jays team does have potential in a couple years time but we're not at that stage yet where they can realistically challenge for a playoff spot we're still a ways away and that's okay they still have a ways to go but they're in the right they're in the right direction at as as the very least they're going to be more interesting to watch 100 i completely agree with that um and with that um let's go
0: into the main discussion of this episode um of course we have Tic Tac Tomar Omar who we've had on this uh, podcast previously along with Erica Ayala who we've also had on this podcast recently and uh, it's just it's such a great discussion and uh, I really hope a lot of people use it as a tool to educate themselves and also just to learn a lot about you know the the struggles that um, the black community and people of color and of, of course indigenous communities are facing during this time specifically in sports so uh let's get into that discussion right now
1: (laughs) and we're back we have a very special episode for the podcast today We have seen the racism that's been apparent in our world over the last few months and for many, many years historically before that. Today, we really wanted to talk about the push for anti-racism in sports and the support for the Black community. This week, the NBA and NHL both restarted their seasons officially. However, it's been apparent that one league has been taking a much different approach to tackling anti-racism and social justice than the other league. Today, we want to talk about the issues apparent in sports and try to use this podcast as a tool to learn more.
0: So today, uh, we're very pleased to be joined by Erica Ayala, a color analyst for the Boston Pride and Connecticut Whale. And you can find those games on the NWHL on Twitch. She's also a freelance sports writer who has had her work appear on sites like The Athletic, Deadspin, and The Guardian. She has a passion for covering professional women's sports beyond just hockey, including basketball and soccer, and she is outspoken through
1: her work about racial equality and in diversifying sports. We're also pleased to be joined by Omar, who you might know on Twitter as Tic-Tac Tomar, a gift maker and writer for Pension Plan Puppets, who penned an amazing piece two months ago called Words from a Black Blogger, a dark past with hope for a brighter future that details the need for action in hockey. And we need to create a discussion here that can really help educate a lot of people who aren't aware why there isn't, there's such a need for change in action in sports, especially hockey. So welcome to the show, Omar and Erica. How's it going?
3: Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I'm glad to be back and definitely excited to offer my voice to this conversation.
4: Yeah, likewise, it's it's always a blast talking to you guys. And you know, it's such a a big topic that definitely needs to be talked about even more and further as we're seeing, um, you know, lack of lack of action and complacency from, um, from the NHL, um, and even just other, other, other minds that are in the, in the world right now. And obviously it, it's great. Also great to, to talk to Erica. You know, I've seen a lot of her uh, stuff on social media and stuff. So it's actually pretty cool to, uh, to talk to her and not just hear her voice through a uh, YouTube and, and stuff like that, because she, she does that. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be blast. It's gonna be fun. it's going to be fun.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, for sure. We, we definitely want to. We wanted to create an open discussion basically to hopefully, you know, hopefully we hope this podcast can be used as a tool for, you know, a lot of people who might not, you know, completely understand uh, the issues that are apparent or even why it might overlap into sports. And we just hope that this would be, uh, you know, something that they can hear and and, and learn more. Um, but before we get into, I guess, the, 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 the bulk of the conversation, how are you guys doing today and uh, how's your week's going?
3: Yeah, it's been uh, a wild ride here as a, a women's sports writer. We had the Challenge Cup for women's soccer and the WNBA. I think one of my colleagues was saying as of yesterday, we have three games a day for the next 12 days straight. So it's, it's great to have sports back, but man, I'm sure the athletes as well as all of us writing about the sports are really feeling this, this fast and furious schedule we have. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, just to pony off that, yeah, you know, um, the NHL is in full blast right now. Um, you know, Matthew, Michael, you know, you get you guys, you guys, right for, for your respective uh, slides. You probably know all the stuff that's going on. There's this mm-hmm. maximum chaos. You know, last night, um, Chicago is is up in the game. The no, sorry, Edmonton's up in the game, and then Chicago comes back, scores scores a pair of goals. One one off Ethan Bear, uh, Connor McDavid. You know, swears so he he obviously doesn't care. You know, he has no attitude as um adrian dater said um <laughs> but it, it's this crazy pittsburgh pittsburgh lost montreal's up to one in the series so and and now we're going to another day of like literally 12 hours of hockey content so sports wise it's been wild it's been a blast to watch and um yeah the nhl is definitely uh delivering on all the content we've been missing out on for the for the last couple of months
3: yeah, huh? just hearing that it's like NCAA March Madness, but for all of the pros.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's yeah. like it's yeah. like a sports fan's dream. Like you could turn on like the TV like at any time of the day and catch like yeah. at least
4: minimum like two to three games on like yeah. you, you just yeah. take your pick. I saw, um, I think, I don't know if it was either the Toronto hub or the Edmonton hub, but on the, on the Jumbotron after a game, you know, like after when you're at the actual game, we'll say like, you know, like have a nice night you know, enjoy your ride to like be safe or whatever. Um, but the, on the Jumbotron, it said, um, please safely exit from your, um, off of your couch. And I was like, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're, pull, they're pulling out no. like the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's funny. <laughs>
1: That's good. Uh and obviously, yeah, sports is back. It's really exciting to be just be able to have some sense of normalcy. That's awesome. But I think what well, one thing we've been noticing in a lot of sports is that uh we've been seeing, especially in the NBA and MLB, there's been a lot of kneeling and the lot that we haven't really seen much of that. Or oh, in the WNBA too, just want to add that as well. Um, but in in hockey, we haven't really seen that much of it. So to just get to the meat of things, uh, for those who don't fully understand or may not know. What is the significance of seeing athletes kneeling during anthems, and why does it mean a lot to the Black community?
3: Yeah, that's a question that, for me, my answer certainly has evolved. But to, to start, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the WNBA, because for the WNBA, that's a league that's made up of 80% Black women, including, shout out to Kia Nurse, um, so who obviously plays for the Canadian national team, Bridget Carlton had a great game yesterday too. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. so it, it, <laughs> in 2016, uh, there was another man from Minnesota who was fatally shot by police, uh, Philando Castile. There was also because of that shooting, um, in Dallas and some, and some other uprisings that happened and uh, five police officers in Dallas were killed. And so the Minnesota Lynx team decided to wear shirts that said on the front, black shirts, white writing, change starts with us. And on the back, uh, they had um, Dallas 5, Falando Castile, and then um, you know some other messaging and words uh, that they did. From there, that sparked other teams to also do some of that, which included uh, warm-up T-shirts, but also included some players kneeling. And then, you know, I guess it was about 2017. So this is leading into, um, you know, another football season. We see Colin Kaepernick um, use his platform to talk about police brutality. And he began sitting during the national anthem. And then after having a conversation with, I believe it was the United States uh, Army veteran, Um, opted to instead of sit for the national anthem to kneel and now kneeling from that moment of Colin Kaepernick um, wanting to um, just really separate himself from a a moment in sports especially in the United States that means a lot about nationalism and the pride and the values that Americans are able to spout but Mm -hmm. That maybe we're not—not not maybe, in in my opinion, uh, not even close to maybe—that we are not living by, and that as a world, honestly, we are not recognizing humanity in others, um, and unfortunately, that comes at the at the lives of black bodies, um, and and so we see kneeling now has become synonymous with things like. Uh, Black Lives Matter, things like protesting police brutality, things like, um, you know, protesting a lot of things that put, again, Black and brown bodies at risk, at harm, and are, are, are a part of the racism that exists that allows those things to happen with impunity and um so that's kind of what we're seeing play out now um or that i should say that's the history but omar i mean <laughs> i read your piece and i would love to know kind of what your thoughts are on all of that right now mm-hmm. as we sit in 2020.
4: yeah absolutely and i think erica you you nailed like the the main points on the head there i think for me witnessing it because i i live in canada right um so um, and I'm not and this is not to say that racism does not does not exist in Canada. That's that's objectively false um, through through my years of education, especially in post-secondary education. I've learned a lot that was hidden from from me, from people who look like me, black, black, uh, black faces, black people. About about the the history that that um that Canada was built on, and this this isn't only about about black people. We can also talk about in, indigenous lives and what and what they what they went through. Um, mm-hmm. so for me, when when it comes to the kneeling, I think it's it's really difficult to stand for it to stand for the national anthem when you're actually take in... It's lyrics, and there's one lyric that, that always sticks out to me every single time I, I watch a game, and and I, I I kind of I have like a little moment of dissonance where I'm taking in you know the you know the the environment of the game I'm watching everyone stand and listen to the anthem, and then I hear this line, and then my 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 conscience kind of just splits, and then I think about all the things that are happening in the real world, and that line is for the land of the free, and generally people like to. You know, they like to stretch out that, that line because, you know, it's a nice, like, um, I don't know, an enunciating line where you get your vibrato and stuff. And usually sure. you'll see your, your people in the, in, the, in the crowd scream something, you know, like, mm-hmm. go, go Leafs or, or something like that, you know, regardless of where you're from. Um, and so that line always sticks out to me because I split and I think for the land of the free. And then you think about all the things that are happening where black people, black faces, black lives do not matter. You walk outside, you walk outside, and you're literally judged and you're hated because of the color of your skin. How is this land free? So it's it's those type of things that that I guess encompass my thought process and which I I, I think encompass a lot of the people's thought process who do decide to kneel in that we're standing for this country, we're standing for this. Body, I guess that that is trying to speak certain things, just trying to speak a spread a certain message that just isn't true. It's not, and and you know, social media has actually get make made people more privy to what's going on now because the things that are happening now, as as tragic as they are, I think it'd be wrong and a little foolish to assume that they just started happening now. They've always been happening. We're just seeing it. We're yeah. so George, jo- the George Floyd's of the world, the Breonna Taylor's of the world, they've been happening from the get go. We're just now seeing it because of social media, because people are, are, are putting this out so everyone can be like, hey, this is what we're talking about. So you so when we when it's brought up in conversation, you can't say, oh, no, you know, it's just twisted. It's a different side of the story. Oh, you know, maybe if he just complied, if he just complied and listened to what the officer was saying, nothing would happen. Well, here's the proof, man. Here's the proof that regardless of what happens, just because of the color of your skin, you're seen as a threat. You're killed just because of what you look like. And there's countless and countless and countless of examples. Right. The Central Park incident where where that woman basically said, called the cops and said there was a black man harassing me in the park. That's a death sentence. That is Mm -hmm. a death sentence. And that's what people need to understand. There, are, there are certain things that are coming out now with all these movements, and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, the kneeling, the Colin Kaepernick kneeling, and players kneeling are are definitely triggering them. But there needs to be more, and that's why all these, all these movements, and all these, and all these, um, I guess, um, um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess, um, words and words and actions, and what we want from these people who have these platforms that's what we need them to start talking about but here's the thing and this is what goes goes about goes ties into what I what I wrote on pension Blood puppets is that words are the first step acknowledging their problem is the first step but that doesn't mean it's solved and yeah. I think that's a big problem what the NHL is facing right now is because they've done they've done enough in air quotes you know they've, they've they put up their hashtag we skate for equality. Um, they, you know, they 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 have their their videos, their pregame things, and they and it's like it's like they're checking off boxes off a list, and that's not the case. That's not what it's about. It's not about checking off boxes. It's about acknowledging what's going on and actually doing, you know, confound things to change the problem because you have people in your league who are saying you are not doing enough. That's what needs to be most important. They should be literally taking what Evander Kane's been saying and putting it in a gold plaque, because you're doing you're doing things and you think it's enough, but you have a black star in your league who's saying you are not doing enough. And the NHL and its players are are proving time and time again that they are not doing enough. And sadly, there have been a whole bunch of examples over the last two days. I'd say I don't know if you want to get into them now, but yeah, the NHL is is not is not doing enough. And for anyone who who questions or, you know, who wants to go on, who wants to go on, um, you know, who sees the NHL tweeting, tweeting Matt Dumbo raising his fist, um, Ryan Reeves, Tyler Sagan, Robin Leonard and Jason Dickinson kneeling and then wants to tweet, oh, now I'm done with the sport. Okay, cool, because there will be others who will come into the sport who were not welcome before who may feel welcome now. But again, mm-hmm. just because these initial things are happening does not mean the NHL is done. It has to be a movement, not a moment.
3: I so. really want to just highlight what you're saying right there, Omar. And um, there is someone in the WNBA who uh, did an interview with uh, one of our young reporters. And uh, Diamond DeShields is the basketball player. And she said, and it was emphasized by Pepper Persley, that mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter is the minimum? Mm-hmm. It's the minimum.
4: Absolutely. Black,
3: that Black Lives Matter, believing that Black Lives Matter is literally the minimum, and we, as a society, are, are are and those who are in the movement, it feels like pulling teeth to get others to recognize. Again, the humanity that comes within that statement because there is this fear of. It's, I think it's, it's a a fear that is wrapped in, in conversation around uh, being called a racist, which is really something. You Mm -hmm. are more fearful of being called a racist than actual racism existing. You are, you think that Saying Black Lives Matter is the is like the biggest step you can take, as opposed to putting in policies that ensure that law enforcement cannot kill with impunity, regardless of skin color, but particularly Black bodies. And so I loved that you said that about the NHL. I think that this conversation in sports is really sometimes kind of trippy when I start having conversations with advocates because sports or corporate, uh, you know, corporations are, are, are really looking for, you know, trophies or gold stars or, you know, cookies for saying Black Lives Matter when it really is the minimum. It's quite literally the least you can do is to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And just to, to jump off, to uh, not really jump off, just to connect points here, you know, there's, it, it all falls down to this. If you're not part of the justice, you're part of the problem. Yep. That's it, mm-hmm. flat out. Right. And, and we've seen that. We've seen that firsthand. If, if anyone wants, if anyone w- wants an example, I'll give you an example. Okay. So, you know, the NHL, they're, they're, they're starting their exhibition games. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're doing their whole, hey, you know, let's all players will stand. on, We'll stand on the line, but we'll we won't stand with our teammates. We'll mix and match up a little bit just to show that, hey, we're all we, we're all united in the fight against racism. That's great. That's cool. But what are you fighting exactly? Oh, well, we skate for equality. OK, but what are you fighting exactly? We fight for we, we're standing for equality. We're standing for for um, right. for for uh, for racial injustice. OK, but what are you fighting for? the nhl until until just recently refused to take a legitimate stance and what happened we had a certain individual quote tweet the nhl and said great job you're standing for the anthem now a lot of people and myself included i was i was disgusted when i saw that right because if anything that just took everything that i wrote in that article and just flushed it down the toilet because literally, like, th- there's a portion where I'm like, "Why do I watch this sport? Why do I support this sport? Why do I cheer for this sport?" Who obviously, and hey, maybe it's not true, but from what, what, from their lack of inactivity, who are off, who obviously do not care, because now you have a person who is bringing a a, a group of people who ha- who think a certain way to your sport and saying, hey. This is the beacon of how sports should be. It's a great message.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Right. So and and then that's the thing. You can't you can't do both. You can't and okay, here, here here's the here's an analogy for the NHL. You can't straddle both line, both sides of the of the blue line. on at some point, yeah either you have to go into the offensive zone or stay into the neutral zone. Which side are you going to be on? And all these all these comments from players who are trying to justify why they're not doing anything. it just makes me even more and more and more upset. And it's just, it's just constant, constant examples of complacency and how you literally just don't like you, you you say you want to do all these things. You say that black lives matter. You say that you want to fight against, uh, against social injustice, but then when push comes to shove, you actually do not want to do anything. And I think that's a problem with hockey culture as a whole. Because as a whole, what's the what's the one thing that we notice about about hockey culture? You know, you're a team. You know, it's about the logo on the front. It's not about the individual. That's why players get torn to shreds when they when they share any sense of of individuality or personality, right? So, and what is kneeling during the anthem? That's standing out and saying, "Hey, I'm doing this," but that goes against hockey culture. And that's what Evander Kane, Wayne Simmons, Nazim Kadri, Joel Ward—that's what they're trying to to say—is the problem. Akeem Ali Alio as well. That's what the problem is: is that in hockey culture, it's 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 drilled into you as a kid to not stand out and to just be part of the status quo, to do what everyone else is doing. And it's not enough. When it comes to things like this, it's not enough. So I'm I'm just gonna read something that I that I read on that I read on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Sarah Siv. Um, it was a quote, a quote from Jacob Slavin. They asked um, if they've ever, if the Carolina Hurricanes ever considered doing more than linking arms um, for Black Lives Matter. This is a, this is a, a part of what um, Jacob Slavin said. He said, um, I think we came to a conclusion that we didn't want to do anything more. Jonathan Isaac, the basketball player, said kneeling and supporting Black Lives don't really go hand in hand. If you look back at why Kaepernick kneeled in the first place, it was to get the conversation started. It's being had now.
3: Yeah, and I struggle with that kneeling in hockey in general um, because I have the distinct privilege of covering the national uh, or the Women's National Basketball Association, the WNBA. And I mean, these women are moving the conversation leaps Mm -hmm. and bounds.
4: Absolutely.
3: And so, but I also cover hockey, which I think is really struggling um, to to have a, a, a full understanding of why their support is important um, and the ways to do that. Uh, because again, they're not acknowledging at at the very foundation that Black Lives Matter um, because of the conversation that they assume is associated with that, um, which it could be a whole podcast in and of itself, but. <laughs> You know, that, that individuality. But, but we ask hockey players to promote, you know, standing up for hockey is for everyone. We mm-hmm. encourage hockey players to stand up and, and celebrate pride.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I'm just a little bit confused because the messaging is confusing. When When is it okay to acknowledge humanity and when is it not? And in the WNBA... Because, again, they were kneeling before Kaepernick. The conversation, again, they don't need that kneeling. They don't need that conversation starter. Do I think that hockey does? I I get why people think hockey needs that, but it goes back, Omar, to something that you said. Hockey shouldn't need to see folks kneeling to listen to their own players. Mm-hmm. If they don't want folks kneeling or if they don't want to have the conversation, then listen to your own players and what they're saying. You know, I'm I, I'm so fatigued by the conversation that is having black people prove racism mm-hmm. as opposed to helping black people fight racism. You know, and and the the burden of proof is is outrageous, and if if it takes kneeling or raising a fist to have that conversation in hockey, then I understand why it's needed. But I'm more I'm more drawn to what the Hurricanes have recently announced and continue to announce. Even I just got an alert a little while ago. I'm I'm more interested, I should say, uh, more more concerned with and interested in what the NHL is going to do beyond Willie O'Ree or showing mm-hmm. a documentary again where they could listen to their players Soul on Ice or having a you know a podcast now Soul on Ice as part of NHL. All of those things are a part of it, uplifting and acknowledging. As again, in the case of um, or even the Capitals, excuse me. I think I said that. Well, the Hurricanes have also announced something. But the Capitals is what I was thinking about. And they right. now have a dedicated space on their webpage to acknowledge black players that have come through their system. And a part of me was like, oh, this is dope. You know, as a hockey fan, I could go to one spot to get what I need. Like, that's what I, especially in the NHL, because I watch hockey in other spaces more than the NHL. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then I started thinking. And I got really really sad about thinking about the circumstances and the literal lives that have been lost for an NHL team to even think to do that.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And that's just it. I feel like I'm going around and jumping into a lot of places, but that's how it feels to be black. And then I'm adding that I'm a black woman in a Mm -hmm. hockey space and the constant need to acknowledge my presence as real um, and also have to defend my right to be a hockey fan, defend my right of inquiring about hockey and to defend my belief, my strong belief that acknowledging and recognizing black players and, and women in the space is, is not only the right thing to do but to not do it is 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 to disrespect the game of hockey itself.
2: Yep. Mm.
3: And so so do I want hockey players to kneel? I don't need that from hockey. I don't need kneeling from hockey. I need every team to do what the capitals did and acknowledge their black players. I need teams to uh, do it. Even now we have a, a name, the Seattle Kraken. They have black lives matter on their website. The canes yep. I mentioned earlier have mm-hmm. done that. That's mm-hmm. what I need from hockey is yep. the minimum of saying black lives matter. And then moving that to action. You love talking about Fort DuPont. You love talking about Willie O'Ree. You know, you love talking about uh, hockey ice hockey in Harlem. Do you love it because it makes you look good or do you love it because you love the people that, that they are black hockey fans, black mm-hmm. hockey players. I really, I'm, I'm concerned that again, this is more of a corporate thing than actual change. And there's certain teams that are showing some light in the, in the direction of this being, you know, not just a moment of movement. I think Omar, you said that earlier, mm-hmm. but it it it's it's um, it's not quite to the standard, um, that I think is even a minimum standard at this point. Because again, hockey should know better by now.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that's <laughs> I go. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at what you said there, Erica. But like, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hockey should know better than now. You know, even even if yeah sure there, there's a lower percentage of black people who have played in the NHL they should still know better at this point so what does that tell me that tells me that they actually in the past right now was debatable but in the past they have never cared right you know and yes. you hear you hear these stories you hear these stories countless times um Devonte Smith Pelly was in the penalty box when he played when he um when he was facing the Chicago Black, Blackhawks and fans were chanting basketball at him. Wayne Simmons during a preseason game in London, London, on London, Ontario. London, Ontario
3: hmm.
4: was taking a penalty shot and a banana was thrown on the ice.
3: You know, and, and you know to-
4: what I mean? yeah. It's, yes, it's
3: just Yeah, it's just wild because I'm listening to what you're saying and I, I read what you wrote. And again, it's just like this constant having to prove it's like you should know better by now. Let's mm-hmm. let's bring this to sports. Right. We're all sports fans. We're all hockey fans here. If you're if you're an athlete and you and you run up penalties, that that, that is going to impact how you are utilized, how you are seen in the game. Um, you know, hockey actually might not be the greatest sport to use this in. But anyway, the point <laughs> is, you know, you know, if you if you're too aggressive, you have too many fouls, too many penalties. At some point in time, people are going to wonder if if it's worth. Are you worth all of those penalties, right? Is your game good enough to stay on a team when you're racking a penalty after penalty after penalty? And I think that's where hockey is finding itself are you are your efforts good enough again and again and again we've we've drawn you you know we we've, we've given you penalty after penalty after penalty for not acknowledging what your black players what your black fans are telling you what your indigenous players your indigenous fans are telling you what your wi- what women in hockey are telling you how many times is enough for us to show you that this is a problem before we, we're we out, we dip. And so that's language that I believe the NHL knows. If you don't want your bottom line to be impacted, you need to do the right thing because you're racking up penalty after penalty after penalty. And one day you're going to get cut. Like that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how it goes in any business, in any sport, in any profession. and And for some reason, sports leagues don't like being held to the standards and the morals, right, that they – that they ask everyone to believe in,
4: mm-hmm. for, sure. Yeah. And for it's, sure. And the th- the thing that's crazy too is that the NHL as a whole, and we criticize them for doing this all the time. But I think it's actually pretty ironic that I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna I'm no, not really praise. I'm gonna bring this up now. Is that the NHL never panders to its own fans? It's always it's always focusing on how to bring in new new people. New new faces, so it's like, hey, we'll change the All Star Game up a little bit, and we'll make the puck glow, and we'll have this little competition where the a players in the stand, because the fans will like it, and then we'll, it'll bring in more fans, and other fans will be like, oh my god, look at the NHL is doing. You, you need to watch this, and they they always, they always focus on bringing more and more fans, right? And so you take that in combination with their hockey is for everyone, they should be the front runner for for things like this. And that and on, and, that, and that's on the downside of thinking it because then because then you're drawing into the conversation of okay well you're just doing it for for revenue and 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 views and yada yada yada. But like if you're always if 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 the league as as a whole if their philosophy is how to bring in new faces to the sport. You, like I you have to think that things like this, that movements like this, that times like these are when you can actually Put your money where your mouth is, where you can actually stand by for what you say and do something about it. The fact that the fact that there was ever a a sports article that was titled David Schultz wrote this, the title of the blog of the article was, is the NHL tough enough on racism? Mm. You are losing the battle. If you have anything, if you have anyone ever write something about you that has that title, is the NHL tough enough on racism? The NHL has lost, the NHL is continuing to lose, and they and nothing will change unless they actually start to do things about it. And not just not just the documentaries, not just not just you know positive, positive words of, of affirmation. They need to say black lives matter they need to say the names of the people who have lost their lives to police brutality and social injustice they need to start you know emphasizing and growing the black voices the black faces they need to start bringing more black voices and faces into into their their into their their buildings into their management both male female non, non um you know um non-non-non-binary non-binary, queer they need to start doing more of this mm-hmm. yeah and that's the only way they're actually going to, they're actually, we're actually going to take what they're saying as seriously.
0: Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I mean, I I love all, both of your, both of your guys points. Like you guys have hit everything on the head. Um. And, and I, I love the discussion we have here. And uh, I have to ask, of course, like we've been talking about, you know, how hockey has a diversity problem, but I got to ask the golden question of, why why is hockey the one sport that's a little more uh you know trailing behind the other sports especially in terms of being susceptible to having a diversity problem? So why um does hockey have this big diversity problem and how bad has it really been?
4: Um I think I guess so. Um I think it's it's definitely multifaceted. Um the first the first one, you know, is no secret. Hockey's expensive, man. You know, if you, <laughs> hockey is expensive. if you if you want to if you want to get your kid and get your kid into hockey, you know, if you want to you know put, put in that investment, because that's what it is, you know, call a spade a spade. It's an investment. If you're if you're putting your kid into to hockey, you're you're paying for equipment and not even just equipment. You're also playing for lessons, you know, power, you know, uh, uh, skating lessons, skills, lessons, you know, you're 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 in camps. Some Summer, you know, summers, winters, all, all all the time, you're in different leagues. Some of these leagues you have to pay for. It, it's money, man. Yo sticks, sticks are expensive. I worked at um at Canlan Ice Sports um the couple years back. It's expensive, man. Um, so so it's that. Um, so on on the one hand, it's, it's that. Another th- another thing is that if I'm if I'm a parent right? I hope to be one in the future. Um, <laughs> but if I'm a parent and I'm, wa- and I'm watching and I'm paying attention to all these stories that are coming out of minor hockey, I do not put my kid anywhere near that. The fact that you have, I think Rick Rick Westhead has been doing a lot of research on the amount of times players, minor league players have been suspended for saying racial slurs on the ice. I don't want to expose my kid to that. Wayne Simmons said Wayne Simmons and Devonte Smith Pelly Akkim has said that when they were growing up in hockey they had people in the stands calling them racial slurs when they're on the ice playing and here's the thing no one does anything about it. The coach doesn't say, hey stop that the other parents don't say hey stop that the league doesn't say hey stop that. So one it's money two safety protection. You're not protected if you're if you're a minority growing up in hockey. You're not. And then and then what's what's the next step? You turn on the TV and then what do you see? You see the same thing. Mm-hmm. White star, white star, white star, white star. And the one black player you do see is either a goon or called a toxic player. Jerome McGinlaw was was so shocking to me. Growing up as a kid, because I'm I turn on I turn on hockey. I'm watching I'm watching um a Leafs game. I see it's Leafs lease least in Calgary, and I see and I see a a, a a black player, who is not a goon, who's not on the fourth line, who's not there just to throw hits and 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 drop his gloves in fights. Who was a captain of his team, and who was the best player on his team. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So it, it's things like that. So it's expensive. It's not safe and you're not represented enough to even have an interest in hockey. That's the thing. As a kid, there's not even enough representation for you to even be interested in the sport, because why am I going to watch this sport? If everyone looks the same and no one, and I, ca- I can't relate to anyone. I and can't see, look.
3: For, yeah. For me, that's, that's the kicker right there. If there's an, if there's a challenge in diversity in hockey, hockey has perpetuated that. Because everything I know about the history of hockey starts with indigenous people and players mm-hmm. and black players in mm-hmm. Canada. And the way the game is known that comes from black communities, church leagues, and the indigenous communities and and you know the technology uh, that obviously has has evolved over time. So, so you know, I, I I hear a lot of what you're saying, and I think those are things again that we also perpetuate in society outside of sport to mm-hmm. to say, oh well, this is just how Black people are, this is just how Indigenous communities are, this is how Latinx communities are, and we're not, we haven't even talked about that there is an active player on the Maple Leafs who I had no idea had Mexican roots until maybe a month ago. And yep. I like consider myself plugged in. So hockey has a diversity problem and, yep. and, and it goes to hockey, not embracing its full culture and hockey, embracing the culture that hockey wants to embrace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Preach. that comes from, and, and, you know, I, I know that Kim Davis and and others have said, you know, or have been asked, is hockey racist? Is it a racist sport? And the answer is yes, because hockey was built upon the same principles that we have in our politics, for example, and in our, you know, our, our democracies, which was built on the superiority of one particular group, white men. So yeah, hockey does have a problem. And that's why everywhere else has a problem as well, because it was decided and perpetuated that white men have access. And because it's other white men seeing themselves, their colleagues and stuff that creates a a system that you don't have to necessarily be actively or openly uh, overtly racist, but racism is perpetuated because when we don't uh, see color or see race then we erase the fact that racism is a problem
0: 100 mm-hmm. percent, and i completely agree with uh, both of you guys points and erica especially your point that um i mean i specifically um we do know that the the, the history of the colored hockey league uh, in the maritimes was was one of the uh you know the founding uh Leagues of uh, the sport of hockey, and and that's just how the, the the sport of hockey, the history of it dates back to, and uh, how you how you said um you know primarily like white men have taken over the sport and take taken away um from um, from people of color and indigenous communities and then black communities, um it's very true and and it ties right into Omar's point about the socioeconomic uh, factors that that play into um. You know how hockey has evolved into a kind of an arena that that is really just open to primarily white bodies, and, and that's 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 the whole. For me, of course, that's the the big reason why it has a diversity problem is that it's just it's just become one unattractive to uh, to people of color uh, for a number of reasons, and two because it's just inaccessible for uh, for people of color. Um, and, and people in those communities to try and get into the sport is very, very hard to, uh, even get into it.
4: Mm, and here's one, th- and sorry, here's just another thing just to, just to cut in, um, um, Matthew on, on the Erica's point on di- diversity, the NHL, I don't think it was last year. I want to say it was the year before the NHL had a little special, um, a, ahead of hockey night in Canada and it's February. So, you know, you're talking about black history month. Mm-hmm. And who do they have on TV talking about Black History Month? Elias Pedersen.
0: I think that that has a lot to say about, you know, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That
4: has a lot to say. I saw that and my jaw dropped. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I want to want to jump in because you guys are bringing great points. And I was just really thinking about uh, the indigenous problem as well. Like we do see of such a big, a lack of diversity in the sport of hockey even if people will argue oh well everyone's from European countries and uh like these other places yeah they look the same but they're from different countries that's not the point mm-hmm. we, we rarely see players like Ethan Bear, who I'm happy to say is doing uh has his name and is on the back of his jersey in his native Cree language and Kyler Yamamoto I think almost wanted to do the same thing but it didn't actually happen or how about the fact that Quinton Byfield could potentially be a first overall pick or at worst a top three pick in this year's draft. Yes, there's there there's these are encouraging signs that there's going to be some progress. But as you guys have been saying, there's still a lot of work to be done. So I guess I want to ask you guys, um how can the league and the players themselves do do to effectively show their support?
4: I mean there's no there's there's not and here like here's the thing, right? Is like is like the NHL feels like there's like a certain th- a list of things that they have to do, right? And obviously there are things that that would be nice for them to do, but it just it's just point blank. If you're gonna say that you support Black Lives Matter, then support Black Lives Matter. Yeah. That's that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and what whatever whatever that whatever that that means in in the context of when you're having said conversation just do it. And on the reverse, if you're not gonna support it, then stop saying you are gonna support it because all you're doing is you're just pushing back more of the voices that you're saying that you want to grow and that you want that, 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 that you want that you want to help help improve that you want you want to help see you see a better a better side side of the story. So if you're going to support it, then support it. whether it's kneeling, whether it's raising a fist, whether it's having speeches ahead of games, whether it's getting players to, I don't know, have, make a podcast or something and literally talk about what's going on. Yeah. Whether it's, hey, maybe it's picking up the phone and, you know, t- texting Emmanuel Acho and say, hey, you've been doing a great series on comfortable conversations with the black man. Can we go on to your show and have a conversation with you? Hmm. Whether it's something like that. By the way, if, if whoever's listening to this, that it's an amazing web series, watch it. It's 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 if they, if you're someone who literally who has no idea what's going on and wants to learn and doesn't know where to start, um, and, and you don't know where the resources are too, but even but as you know that's kinda of stupid to say because you know, we live in the world of internet. Um <laughs> so if if you don't wanna go down that, literally his web series um has been amazing. PK Subban was on episode four, I believe. They had a um, the episode was, episodes was, was uh, revolved around interracial relationships and, and, how they, and how they've been treated and how they react to that in society. Um, it's, it's an amazing time. So whether it, it's, it's some, where there's something like that, whether it's do, uh, making donations, whether it's actually you know, going out to these communities and speaking to different people, you know, whether it's, hey, calling up Teddy. I don't know if you guys have seen Teddy, Teddy on Twitter. He's like, he literally, like, he, he's doing all these sick, cocky tricks. He'll, like, he'll take a mm-hmm. stick and he'll elevate it and he'll hit another stick. He's an amazing kid. Whether it's visiting him or something, or like, just, just, just show some, just show that you're actually willing to support it. And then it's not just going to be words. Exactly. Whether it's exactly. maybe you're joining protests, maybe you're, maybe you're, maybe you're, you're joining other, other movements. Just show that you actually want to support it and do it. That's it. Just do it. exactly (laughs) sorry (laughs) i didn't mean to make a joke
0: just quickly off your point omar i mean you great answer like uh i was just gonna say you kind of answered another question we had but uh, i did want to kind of kind of uh on on that note of, of the question we were gonna ask like obviously there are people who in the hockey community who feel like you know oh like you know standing for the anthem is something that you know they respect the um the flag and everything it re- represents and um of course some people you know don't don't feel like uh they they want to kneel but they feel like they want to support uh uh the blm movement in another way um would you say that all those things are are something that you know so, someone who doesn't want to kneel can still do um exactly in that way like what would you say to those people who who still want to uh support the movement but you know just don't feel right standing i mean kneel, um, kneel. So,
3: yeah i think that what i would personally say is that i as i respect that you're asking these questions but i think there's more work to do if still there is a, a misunderstanding of kneeling, um, exactly. and what it. Means. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would. That's what I would say. Um, but I would also say to anyone that supports the movement for Black Lives and supports having conversations about racism, I would also ask people to ha- raise your standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the. Uh, the united states national anthem in its entirety and um has a racist history because america has a racist history um and so i think that there are definitely ways to have that conversation but to demand that someone kneel or to demand that someone stand i think both sides are missing the massive point (laughs) which is first that uh or the land of the free uh literally in the constitution um that we have freedom of speech but also that kneeling is is the is we're sub-zero at that point for me um because if you're not saying black lives matter then that that that's all that really matters and you know kneeling uh or putting a fist up right now doesn't mean the same thing that it meant when women were the only ones doing it or Mm -hmm. when kaepernick was the only one doing it Mm -hmm. so you don't have to kneel to understand black lives matter and to be supportive of black lives matter but if you only kneel to support black lives matter that's a problem
0: a hundred percent i'm i'm exactly with you there erica um of course, I, I I would really love to see more players, Neil, and um, you know it's it's just such a it's 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 a very powerful and important um you know it's it's kind of like the basis right now to get um to show support, but of course, as you said, I definitely want to see them also do more um to support the movement and to show action, of course, um but uh yeah, I mean, and and back to Omar's point, all those things, Omar, that you you kind of listed there um is also um great suggestions and we hope i mean i don't know if any players would ever listen to this but um Mm -hmm. (laughs) this that like there's really no excuse to not take action where actions do um there there are a lot of different ways to take action and support the movement
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. um i guess maybe what i want to talk about is just from what we were talking about earlier players like Matt Dumba Tyler Sagan Ryan Reeves and Robin Leonard of all people mm-hmm. taking a knee uh what was it last week uh I can't really remember the exact date but I want to say we saw that and that was definitely inspiring and also the, the thing with Kadri and the like the Minnesota Wild do you does that give you hope for the sports future why or why not
3: Um, I think it's interesting it was Monday and I remember because I was actually talking to a hockey player about a lot of what we've talked about on this podcast Um, and we had just gotten off the phone and then um, I sent a message to them uh, was like well look we were just talking about this Um, I think that and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning Uh, my frustration with kneeling comes from knowing about all of this my whole life and believing that people can absolutely kneel and do nothing to promote, um, the movement for black lives. But I understand why a lot of people believe that the hockey world needs this. Um, and it's just, it's a tough place for me personally to be in, but I think that what I hope players, um, the players who took a knee on Monday, what I hope they can do, again, goes back to bringing that conversation, using that moment to to have a conversation. And the reality is that when white players begin to do things publicly that are undeniable, like taking a knee, like wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt, That is going to move the needle of the conversation. And so what I would say is that if hockey wants to be serious, that they need to listen to black people, but they also need to ask white players in particular about these issues and to bring them into the conversation. I'm not expecting any hockey player necessarily because hockey doesn't have a history of this to be an expert, but I would love to see the conversation truly be that a conversation and not asking a white player for expertise, but I would love to know from hockey players more regularly, you know, what they make of everything that's happening Mm -hmm. white players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What uh, they're going to do about it.
0: Absolutely.
4: Yeah. um, To connect off that for me, um, and I'm someone who's I've I'm more inclined with the hockey world, so um at the same time I'm also black. So I am also aware and have witnessed and experienced firsthand of what being black means in society. Um I my expectations were very low about um players actually doing anything besides their statements. So when I saw say when I saw pictures of like uh Sagan and Char, like at Black Lives Matter protests it was, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it was like, it was just extremely shocking. And I want to say I had the same reaction when I saw um, Sagan, Leonard, Dickinson, and um, actually, no, just those three kneeling. Because Ryan Reeves is someone who, like, I was, and it's it's really sad. I was having these conversations um, um, before the games even started. I'm like, if, if anyone is going to actually do something, it's probably going to be the black players, because you know this directly affects them. It directly affects affects all of us, um, and they're probably going to be the only ones who feel I'm doing air quotes here comfortable, because any, the NHL like to throw that word around when it comes to when it comes to the, these movements. Who feel comfortable with doing something because it directly affects them. That that's that's the main difference between. Um, you know the, the the racialized hockey players and the white players. Is that racialized players? This is their life. This is their every day. Whereas for hot red, you know, the white hockey players, they can choose whether they want to engage engage with this or not. Hey, okay, I want to I want to be I want to follow Black Lives Matter for for a day. Okay, I'll do that. But if I don't, okay, I can't. But for players like Matt Dumba, Evander Kane, Wayne Simmons and stuff, it, it's it's that that's that's them. That's us. That's what we have to experience all the time. So seeing so seeing Sagan Dickinson and Leonard Neal, for me, for me again, was was kind of like an overwhelming shock because I didn't actually think it would happen, especially for Leonard, considering you know his past, um, which he has you know said that he's moved past from, but still you know it's still shocking, shocking to see, um, and and that was just an action that I that. just needed to see you know players were were saying that they they supported Were saying that they want to take the time to to learn and educate and actually and do something about it and and they did right um now you can think of the uh, you know you can think down the lines of or were they doing it because they support black lives matter or were they doing it because they wanted to support ryan Reeves supporting black lives matter that's you know that that's that's a different conversation but you know at the bare minimum they did it but to erica's point what, what does this mean now are you doing are you taking further actions from this neil to do more or was the neil just your flag hey i did it and now i'm fine mm-hmm. so that's i think that's what that's what's important and that that's what the with the moving with the moving step is because if that's the if that's the if that's what it was if it was just one thing that you wanted to do in the moment and you're not going to change your your you know your 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 lifestyle. You're not going to change how how you think to what again to what Erica said. If you're not going to change what your standards are in how you read things and how you see other people reacting to said things, then then we have a problem. So are, are Sagan Dickinson and um, and Robin Leonard are they going to call out racist acts? Are they going to 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 stand out against police brutality? Are they going to, you know, contact the the Hockey Diversity Alliance and say what can we do to help? You know, are they going to be doing things like that? Are they going to be, you know, talking to coaches, talking to to their their respective management groups and saying, hey, this is a problem. We need to do more. We need to do more to support this. Are those things happening? So that's so that that's what that's what I kind of need to see now so for me it was great to see them neil it's great to see a little bit of action but this that this little bit of action can't just be a check it needs to be more it needs to need to evolve into an everyday and everyday lifestyle where you believe that black lives matter and that you're actually going to put into put in the work right. to make sure that the rest of the world the rest of your circles and their circles and the hockey circles believe that black lives matter because if if, if you're not then, then it, will, it all goes to waste.
3: And, and I think that's an important point, Omar, that you made. You know about circles. Another thing that has to change, if if you're serious about this conversation and and moving the needle, is you have to change your circle hockey. Because mm-hmm. again, that the, the biggest challenge is hockey itself. Is the culture that's perpetuated in hockey. Is the people that are allowed to to remain in hockey, despite again, penalty after penalty after penalty. So to quote Renee Hess of Black Girl Hockey Club, mm-hmm. top of her mm-hmm. list and top of my list as well is hire black women.
0: Yep, exactly.
3: Hire mm-hmm. black women. Cause I bet you a black woman, a woman in general of color or indigenous woman, but particularly a black woman because of the intersex of her life, her literal life, in this conversation will be able to provide a, a lens that's much needed for hockey right now
2: mm-hmm. and
3: there are not enough black voices again being heard and there are not enough black people and leaders in decision-making roles
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah a- absolutely yeah, and, sorry and that just tied that ties in erica to matthew your earlier question about um why why aren't why uh, why don't you see um you know a, a, a lot of di- diversity in 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 hockey growing up mm, of course you, you know black people in positions of power in minor in minor hockey that's a that's gonna be huge mm-hmm. you don't see black coaches in hockey and if you do their integrity and their intelligence to the game is questioned I forgot I forgot one when, when I saw it I forgot where I saw it, but I remember seeing it. Um, there was a group chat with um, parents and, and and players, and a uh, one father was texting a black coach, saying that he didn't feel that he was good enough to coach the team because he probably knew more about basketball than hockey. Terrible. So that that that's what needs to change. You need to have mm-hmm. you know black people black women in positions of power within that sport to be able to read through the lines and to be able to 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 help enforce these things so definitely
0: absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. great points from both you guys and um we're starting to close out the interview here but i do have a few more questions just off off of the point that you guys were just making um of course and and i really loved both of your points about the you know expanding your circles because i definitely want to see um it it starts it does start in the hockey circle because um we we definitely want to see this change that even this small nugget of of change and, and action kind of spread to the other players and across the league um but obviously one of the you know one of the barriers and, and factors and we kind of talked about in our previous uh one of our previous questions was obviously the socioeconomic um factors that play into hockey uh, often you know m- often has that kind of separation of privilege um we do see a lot of people make the argument you know or or we just we just know that you know hockey players often uh think uh if if it, Doesn't have to do you know directly deal with them that you know they don't have to speak on it or take action against it you know Um, but my question essentially is what do you think then we can do to try and make these often privileged athletes realize the fact that there is racism racism that needs to be eradicated Um, I mean uh, just like that it's like I mean you guys spoke about you know uh, working within your circles but how else do you think um, you know, that can be achieved.
3: I mean, again, I really don't know that there's much else that <laughs> black mm-hmm. people can say. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's documented. Um, even my story is documented, which is wild. Um, but it, it, you know, I think when we have conversations about race, uh, and racism, everyone's always looking to the, the those with more melanin, as I like to say, to, you know, describe the some of the worst experiences that they've Mm -hmm. ever had Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that hasn't changed anyone's opinion yet on racism so why should i continue
0: exactly i want to know
3: why you believe there's not racism i want to know why you uh think it's okay to have a league with a you know a mouthpiece like don cherry at the mm. time <laughs> you know, oh my
4: god <laughs>
3: um I, I, riddle me that explain that to me because the logic i think on one side is much stronger than the other
0: 100 percent. um yeah. i i completely agree with that especially i mean of course uh even me being a, a brown man and often in the hot in hockey circles uh it's often like you know people of color often have to uh explain their experiences to just try and, you know, sway, uh, people in, in those positions of privilege to, you know, sway their opinion when it should be exactly how you said, Erica, um, why, you know, why, why did they feel like racism doesn't exist? It's all about challenging those, uh, challenging those ideas rather than, you know, just kind of expressing, uh, you know, the one side
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that point, I think it's why I think that's why it's really important that we're starting to see more more reporters asking players why they aren't kneeling or or what they're doing to show their support. And then just reading the answers. First off, they're 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 it's the pinnacle of hockey cliche. It's like you're you're reading the answer and it's like it's like they're talking about like breaking down a play like what happened at the the end of the second period to give up a lead or something. And it's just like you're reading it. It's like. Okay, so you don't get it then. Mm. And, and, that, and that's just flat out. So I think that that's something that needs to continue to happen is that more NHL reporters need to continue asking asking um, players why they aren't doing things. And to Erica's point, if, if it happens, it would be wicked if, if someone says, just ask a player, what are their thoughts on racism? Just flat out. What are your thoughts on police brutality in America, in Canada? What are your thoughts on that? Because then you can't do the whole rigmarole. Oh, you know, well, we think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a powerful thing, and you know, um, you know, obviously we want to, you know, support him and, uh, and do whatever we can. But, uh, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, we can't, we can't get that. Just ask them flat out, what are your thoughts on racism? Exactly, exactly. And then, and then move, and then move on from there. Because if you don't have any thoughts on racism, that's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Straight mm-hmm. up. Because it, it's literally there, just like what Erica said. It, it, it's it's just like what you what you were saying, Matt. It's 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 there. It's around. It's like when you're watching a horror movie and the butler obviously did it, and then <laughs> it was like, no, it wasn't the butler, and then the butler ends up killing you, and you're like, oh man, it was the butler. Like it's literally. And I'm I'm not trying to like downgrade downgrade the the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. but like that's literally what it is. Like it, it's it's in front of you, so there's no reason to believe that it does not exist. And if you do believe that it that it that it doesn't exist, then then we have a problem and then you need to start educating yourself. And then you need to start changing your circles and actually start putting some meaning behind the things that you're saying.
0: 100%. Yeah. It, it's definitely just about, you know, it's it's really about educating um being able to educate yourself and educating others um like you said like it's there like it, it's it's always been there. Racism always been there and I think that kind of leads into uh my next question is just I mean last we've we've been talking about um, the inaccessibility of uh, sport, of of hockey to people of color. Um, and I was just going to ask you, I mean, again, we've been spending all podcasts trying to uh, come up with, you know, a, a, an answer to this, but there's not really a, a, a lot of, you know, hard, hard answer f- for this, but how mm-hmm. can we make hockey more accessible to people of color? And I just want to, I mean, I just want to say like, through our our podcast uh me and michael we've been holding uh the the you know the idea that it, it definitely starts it starts young and it starts in those dressing rooms i mean me as a as a brown man as a you know a south asian kid growing up playing hockey it's so easy um even in hockey circles with you know your friends who are primarily caucasian it's very easy to feel um you know out of place just and you don't fit in and and definitely even more in the dressing rooms and um it, it goes from playing but also to you know spectators in those same circles and i think it's just about i for me i think a big thing is uh making sure that the younger generation is learning again educating themselves on what's going on right now so that when they grow into the league and when they grow into adults um hopefully you know they're the ones who are already kind of you know, and they've, they've already learned this new culture and they're trying to put this new culture um, at play.
3: I mean, I think what I would say is that Willie O'Ree was the first, but why is it that we don't know who the latest mm-hmm. black player was in the league? Um, and then all of the black players in between. Uh, there needs to be more celebrating... All of hockey's history, not just the history that hockey wants to promote. Um, I think that's just kind of been a theme here for us, um, because you don't have hockey without the Indigenous community, you don't have hockey uh, without the Black community, and exactly. if you are if you're a fan of international hockey, then you don't have winning hockey without women. Yep. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so. Especially over here on this side of the border. Yeah. Um, so um, there's just so much that we can celebrate in hockey to a point that was made earlier. You know the NHL in particular seems to like to look for the next fan. Um, but they don't need to look that far um, because there's so many communities that love hockey, but they're not going to love the NHL if the NHL doesn't acknowledge their existence and celebrate who they are, just as they do all of the other players that fit into the cookie cut of, of, of the NHL. So I think it really has to be about education, celebrating that history and, and it doesn't stop. You don't, you know, racism, the way it's set up in the world through white supremacy and imperialism, it doesn't stop because it wasn't meant to stop. So we can't stop and we never stop uplifting the indigenous community, uplifting women, uplifting black and brown players, uplifting communities who are hockey loving that might not ever skate on the ice um, because that they're not able bodied or they are Deaf or hard of hearing, or are blind. There's so many, you know, different ways that hockey is not utilizing the resources that they have to expand, or the NHL is not ex- expanding um, the horizons to look to all of the people that actually love hockey because it's a beautiful game, but it won't be a beautiful culture if. If those in charge, and a lot of people do see the NHL as driving hockey culture, modern hockey culture, um we're not going to survive if if they don't tap into people who are already hockey-loving people.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think um to your point, Matthew, and also to what you are saying before, Erica, I think I think those conversations, even before they get into the, um, the locker room, I think they need to start in the home. 100%. Right? Because If you're if you're teaching your kids, you know, right from the get go of of, you know, of the importance of of loving people, of loving all the 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 hardships of what different groups go through um, and acknowledging the fact that because of the because of what you look like, you will have a certain privilege over someone else. Those, those conversations need to happen because if you, when you're teaching your kids at that young 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 of an age and they perpetuate those like those ideas then they can go on to teach other people not saying it's their job but they can make those decisions of, of who they choose choose to hang out with and who they choose to to, um, to not not hang out with and then you can kind of see see that grow within within hockey culture because it's all prepared it's all pre- perpetuated by the same people you know the kids the kids play play the game. They grow up, their kids play the game, they grow up, their kids play the game, they grow up. So at some point, you need to start teaching, you need to start, you have to break that cycle. You have to break that cycle that hockey is only for one one type of person. And even Mm -hmm. though hockey doesn't say it is, hockey shows that it is.
3: Yes, yes. So we
4: can't, so we can't. So even though, you know, of course, we all want the NHL to do better. We all want the NHL to do better. And that's one thing that has to change for them. And that Erica, this is what to what you said, just because you love hockey doesn't mean you have to love the NHL. So the NHL, they need to focus on bettering themselves as a league to make themselves true to what they say And hockey is for everyone.
2: Mm.
4: Now, the parents, the parents who are raising kids in today's society, you need to show your kids The importance of being a good human being and that people need to be treated, don't need to be treated differently because of how they look and that if a person is killed in the streets because of how they look, it's wrong. If someone wants to stand up and fight against that, it's okay, And that you should also be helping to aid to that fight and not be a deterrent to that fight, because that's that's where it starts. We're talking about sports. but We're also talking about human rights here. And that's why the whole keep politics out of the out of, out of sports line is ridiculous because we're not talking about politics. We're talking about human rights. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the lives mm-hmm. of the lives of these people who are being mistreated, who are being killed because of what they look like. Right. So that's where it needs to start for me.
1: Absolutely agree. And thank you, everyone, for just Erica and Omar, for just bringing up such valuable points. You guys may have noticed uh, that I've been really not saying much, and it's not because I don't have anything to say. I want to use this opportunity to listen and to understand where you guys are coming from and how the league can improve. And I think this is where I want to take this last question because I am an ally. I would consider myself an ally. And I feel like as there's a lot of fans who are in who watch hockey that so want to be supporting this movement. But as you guys have said, it starts young and it's not just hockey players that have to be learned how to be better people. It's the fans as well, because they too represent the sport and the league. So, I guess I want to say to the listeners at home that want to be better allies. What would you tell them how they can be better allies?
3: Um first start by saying Black Lives Matter. Um just say that. That's a that's a, the first step. And then if that's if you can say that, it fits, it sits well with you, felt good rolling off of your tongue and you really believe it, and work to gain more understanding of what you can do to actualize that. And the reason I say it that way is because there are policies that I wanna see change. There are organizations that I want to see people support, but what's more important is for people to take the the step of learning for themselves because I can tell you my experiences, I can tell you where I put my money, I can tell you what I do, but I don't need you to do what I do. I need you to do other things so that you, again, are expanding that community, that you're expanding the outreach, that you are making sure that when we say Black Lives Matter, we're talking about uh, things like qualified immunity, but we're also talking about how attorney generals um, and prosecutors are either voted or appointed
2: Mm -hmm. you know so
3: i need you to do your homework and to come with your resources and aces and places then you find your space in this movement to help me in my path and my path is right now talking to athletes from all backgrounds about racism that's my path but I need you to show up, and do your part because we need everything covered, mm-hmm. not just one thing.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Erica, I th- honestly, I think you said that perfectly. Um, it is not much to add, but I think one thing that is important definitely is is to hold yourself accountable, and to hold other people that you consider close to you accountable as well. Um i've seen so many i've had so many heard so many stories of of you know of meeting someone and then seeing the way they speak and then you know like you get say for example like you know after school you like you see the parent you see like an uncle or something and you hear the way they speak and it's like okay so it's 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 not it's not just a it's not just a a pick and choose type of thing you need you know if you want to support all of this as it's happening. You need to continue to acknowledge what's happening. You need to do your own homework, not mm-hmm. rely on your friendly neighborhood black person to educate you. Um You know, you need to, you know, if you, if say, for example, if you're having a family dinner and Uncle Steve says something racist, don't just laugh. Don't just do that, that whole awkward, like, oh my God, that was so yeah,
3: racist. yeah.
4: Don't just, don't just do that. Just be like, hey, Uncle Steve, that was racist mm-hmm. and this is why and that's the important thing that was racist and this is why you know um, ignorance is no longer an excuse it can be an explanation but it's not an excuse and this is another line from of, from uh, Emmanuel Acho he said it said it on his um, on his radio show it's it's not it's not an excuse anymore you know we live we live where you know we live in a time where information is is available to us we just need to go out and get the information and then do something with that information. So whether it is call, calling out someone um when they're being racist, whether it is finding out when the next black lives matter protest is, um whether it is donating, whether whether it's it's joining joining some type of of group to come together and and figure out how you're going to change things within your respective communities, within your respective neighborhoods. Whether it's something like that, that's what it comes down to. And I'm not saying I'm not saying go on social media and then start attacking people left left and right. Right. But it just it just comes down to believe, you know, saying it, saying Black Lives Matter, believing it, believing Black Lives Matter. And then actually putting your words where your mouth is and doing things to show that you believe that Black Lives Matter.
1: Yep. Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter. And listen to uh, the listeners at home, please take into this really take to heart what Eric and Orr have been saying today, because they've been saying a lot. And they've been saying very important stuff and very impactful stuff. And I think what they're saying is, uh, critical because we need to have uplift voices such as them, because there's a lot of other people like them that, uh, do, do have a voice to say in this fight and they need to be uplifted. So I really hope you do take to account what they've been saying and i and realize that, uh, yes, we would love to see players take part in protesting and showing their support for black lives matter. But we as fans can also make a difference in this fight as well. Yeah. Don't look for players mm-hmm. to uh, make a stand and think, Oh, now I can do it because they did it now.
4: Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know,
1: because you can make a difference too. And if you make that if you make that stand and just show your support in a lot and all the ways it's been talking about on this podcast, you're making just as much of a difference as what a player would do if they're showing the support, like a LeBron James or like any player in the WNBA or anyone.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and with that, so first, I mean, we want to thank you, you both for coming on um, an amazing discussion and we really hope that this can be used as a, you know, an educational tool for a lot of people, um, especially in the hockey community or just in the sports community in general to, to, to learn more about the issues that are at hand here and uh, you know, you know, learn that they, everyone needs to take action in their own ways um, because we need to, we need to um start promoting anti-racism and 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 fighting against uh injustices um Mm -hmm. but before we go are there any uh you know uh resources that you guys want to shout out um um that 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 can can be helpful for uh listeners um i quickly want to shout out of course black girl hockey club uh they've been great in this uh entire uh you know in this entire fight for uh quality especially especially in the uh hockey arena in the, in the hockey community um so great um i definitely recommend checking them out and giving them a follow on twitter as well and donating to them um as well
3: i uh, you mean you said it there i've worked alongside black girl hockey club and in a lot of things. Um, and I mentioned that I'm doing a social justice series. It started as social justice in women's hockey, and I'm committed to talking to hockey players about racism, but a lot of other things. Also, I I mentioned ableism on this podcast, sexism. Um, there are Mm -hmm. so many things that the hockey community needs to be more comfortable talking about because not only do they impact hockey fans, but they impact hockey players, hockey coaches, Mm-hmm. owners um maybe just not uh it's just not something that again hockey is embracing so uh check that out over at uh, on my youtube channel and i think you know i mentioned soul on ice and i'm so glad that kwame mason does have a, a regular space On an NHL platform, I I think that that's great because I know the work that Kwame is doing, but I want the NHL to do more of that and to find more Black voices. But you can't go wrong, you know, listening to Kwame and and the guys talk about hockey. And, you know, again, just having Black people is not enough if you're not celebrating them. And I know that Kwame Mason knows how to celebrate Black and Brown players and our history in hockey.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say definitely um, everything I was suggested should, uh, suggested earlier for sure. Um, Saw so an account and a site that I've been re- reading a lot uh, is the Color of Hockey. Um, yeah, so they're yes. they're they're a site. No, they, bad they, bad they, bad. Yeah, that that's a definitely worth a follow. They're a site you know for hockey fans and players of color. They show all all, all these stories that that you know that the NHL should be. Um, should be showing, but they're not. You know, so you see, like your know, team teams in Africa. There's, I believe, there's, there's a coat, there's a black coach in London right now who's preparing his team, um, for a tournament. So, um, so you get to you get to read read all those type of stories. So I definitely would would go to them, um, um, and honestly, go out Google if you're someone if you're someone who wants who wants to you know to be an ally who wants to learn more. Literally, go out and Google their there are countless works um, and, and, and histories and all, and all type of stuff, um, you know, educate yourself, don't rely on other people to do it for you. And, you know, the means are there. You just have to, you know, open the book.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I also just, uh, before we close, I, I also just for general, uh, a good resource for general, um, you know, uh, to educate yourself is, uh, black, uh, black lives matters with an s at the end dot, C, dot, dot co um that's a great resource uh just for uh there's a lot of resources on there and uh just just to educate yourself there's uh a ton of resources there to help out but uh i i wanted to say uh thank you both for coming on to the uh podcast and Honestly, I love the discussion we have. Every single point um, that's been made on this podcast has been so insightful. And I really do hope that a lot of people can uh, benefit from uh, listening to the discussion we had today.
3: Yeah, thanks again uh, to all of you for such a great conversation. And it's good to be on the show again.
4: Of course. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's been a blast. It's always a blast uh, talking with you guys. Erica, again, it was great to to have this conversation with you firsthand. It was awesome and yeah, hopefully uh, this gets out, people listen to it and uh, spread it around.
1: Hopefully so for sure. Um, before we guys let you go, why don't, we, why don't you plug in your socials so people know where to find your work?
3: Sure, you can find me on all social media at elindsay08. That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y 08 and it's got links to all of my other stuff.
4: Uh, as for me, I'm mostly just on Twitter um, at Uh I do gifts hockey stuff um tweet a lot about hockey stuff Also, i write at pension plan puppets i probably should do that first um, <laughs> but, but uh, you mostly find me on uh, on twitter there of course. of course
0: awesome so uh once again thank you guys so much for coming on i love this this discussion so much and uh i hope sure. you guys have a great day
3: thanks again
4: you too
1: What can I say? That was an excellent discussion. I really enjoyed that. Matthew, would you agree with me on that? Of course,
0: 100%. Just such an insightful episode. And, uh, you know, we need to keep this conversation going. We need to keep our attention and our focus on these issues at hand and how we can work towards, you know, anti-racism and racial equality and uh, the fight against, the, uh, against injustices every day and racism. Um, we definitely have to keep, keep, keep talking about it and keep doing what we can to help out. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank uh, Erica and Omar again for coming on to the show. It was amazing having you guys, if you guys are listening right now. Um, but thank you for coming on. And uh, I think we'll close out this episode with that, Michael.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, first of all, thanks again to Omar and Erica for taking the time to come on and uh, and for them using, uh, giving for us giving them a platform to be able to uh, express the importance of supporting the Black Lives Matter movement in sports. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, there's going to be no NBA uh, draft redo this week, and actually, we are going to be taking a week off uh, this coming week because I'm going to the cottage. Nice and uh, yeah. It's definitely a time to uh,
0: relax and recharge. Um, uh, we will be back with sports content. Definitely sports will be even more underway by then. But, yes, we will be taking a break. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks, everyone. Um, yes, but of course. With that, um, uh, we're just going to close the episode. You can follow me on Twitter tweet message me give us feedback uh, ask us questions whatever on my
1: Twitter um, at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore and you can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO and as always you can find mine and Matthew's work at the Leafs nation
0: mm-hmm. and uh, just a quick quick bit of news uh, super quick we also opened up uh, both a YouTube page and a Twitter page for this podcast um, it, it, on Twitter it is at behind the net pod And on YouTube, you can find us just by searching up Behind the Net podcast. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much everything. And uh, once again, uh, thank you for listening. And we hope you have a great week.
1: See you guys.